It's like the sports reporters, a little different vibe, a little Sunday morning, a little head oh, of coffee. Oh, you couldn't call. Yeah, I remember the that. The sports reporter was the morning show of choice at the Dawson household. And welcome back, everybody, to the most awesome and brandana sports podcast coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 92 for your eardrums. Guys, do us a favor. Please subscribe. Leave five stars. Tell a friend. Shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. I am Brandana, and with me, as always, go easy on them. Still a Michigan and Detroit Lions fan. Most awesome. How you doing? I didn't didn't want to start it out like that, brother. I'm just saying... I wouldn't even brought it up if – so we, we all knew, and I was kind of talking to the airport yesterday, that Michigan thing was going to happen as it happened. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was a long shot to, like, kind of overtake that mm-hmm. Ohio, you fill in the rest team that is just mm-hmm. scoring at will. They're, but but that Lions – They were nine-and-a-half-point dogs for a reason. Yeah, that, that Lions game, you had to get a little excited about Blau. I thought, like, that first – like, his first throw, I was like, there might be something here in Trubisky's dog shit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Blau came out throwing dimes. Yeah. You had zero – I had zero expectations. Thanksgiving traditions like turkey <laughs> yeah. and, and pumpkin pie and lions being dog shit are just like the staples of me growing up. It's what I'm accustomed to. Yeah, it's like I like uh... – At least I'm not – at least we're not the Cowboys that... where we have all the expectations of the world and we still drop an L. Ooh, I don't – that line was too big on the Cowboys. I didn't get that. Like I get like I, we don't believe in the Bills and everything, but that Cowboys team – not looking solid at all. I'm gonna talk a little bit about it. Here's what we yeah. get. We'll go off script. We'll do whatever we want. This is our podcast. Exactly. This is our podcast. Yeah. This is our exactly. podcast. Uh, I, I don't know. So you remember, like early, it was just like, oh, we got to get Dak paid. He needs to be paid. And I don't understand why this offense mm-hmm. isn't clicking more. There is a lot of talent. It's the most underutilized talent, probably in the league. Well, they they say, and this is kind of tied back into the Michigan thing. It's talent. If you have, ta- if you don't have a lack of talent, then you and you're not winning, then you have a lack of coaching, yeah. and, or vice versa. You have a lack of talent, but you don't have it, and yeah. or you have it in the coaching, then it's a, a talent issue, and that's the thing with Michigan. I think we have a talent issue. Maybe the gap between Ohio, you feel at the rest, is bigger than I imagined, but with the Cowboys, they have all the talent, so you can't question their talent. It's got to be a coaching issue, and that's where Garrett is just, you know ineffective and he's the, he's the longest tenured coach i think over nine or eight years all the rest of them have super bowl wins or been to a super bowl he hasn't yeah so he's not he's like he's not even a good you know well it's not even a great coach because yeah, i think they had wade wilson right and everybody knew it's just like oh jason garrett's gonna like take over like they're just like kind of priming him priming him for the job to take mm-hmm. it uh and then he did i want to get back to your talent thing real fast about the Cowboys having it at all and not be able to do anything with it. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of lost on what, why stick with Jason Garrett? Like, if that's, if that's his thing, like, what, what, why is it a pride thing? Like, why not? Jerry Jones just seems so reactionary that he's the kind of guy that's just like, move on. Is it just something not better that's there? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I guess I don't know if who he wants to promote within or he doesn't want to 
throw the towel on in on the season, especially considering the NFC East is a little weak and they're still they still they're they could really make the playoffs. Most likely will make the playoffs. So why why go with a coaching switch and disrupt it? Why not go out get your get your you know your playoff you know home game lose and and then yeah. be done with it. He's he's not extended him for next year. So this is the last year of his excuse me of his contract. So I guess in his mind where where's where's the upgrade? Yeah, I, I mean I'm just going to yeah. get beat up in the media and if I fire him and we go even worse than what what we are if we don't go 9 and 7, let's say we go 8 and 8, you know, there's there's no win, there's no upside for me. We're not we're going to just go after somebody next year, which probably means I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the college ranks and tried to make a big, splashy. And I've, I've we've talked on the pod with the Browns going after Lincoln Riley with the the Ma, uh, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. Sorry, excuse me, you haven't earned it yet, Baker. Yeah. But you know, going yeah. after that, and uh, I, I would be surprised to see you know one of those coaches you know that they would try and lure out of uh, maybe maybe Harbaugh. Maybe he goes after Harbaugh, which would be a, a great and awesome decision. <laughs> uh, that's the last thing I want to talk about. We don't need to just wallow too much in Jason Garrett's misery. But this clock management thing, I don't see enough people talking about it. It's insane. They had three timeouts. I think there was like a minute left or whatever. And they're just like, I think uh, maybe Dak took a sack or something. And it was like 46 seconds or maybe even completed like a short pass. And the clock was just going down. And it was like they're so desperate to save three timeouts. And then they leave, end up leaving one timeout on the board like yeah. when they go into the locker room it's just like you just think these coaches like they're, what they're thinking about like oh three timeouts for like eight seconds of football left is not valuable three timeouts over a minute call that first timeout with 45 seconds and then you have to, you have opportunity to take shots at the end zone which basically like this wasn't a time issue they they ran out of time to take shots they didn't run out of timeouts right. so they had to kick the field goal yeah yeah it is it is one of those things where I think that's huge. It's huge, and people aren't talking about it. It's gigantic. It is, you know, the the head coach of an NFL football team is very much like the CEO of a company, right? They're 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 broad strokes, they're big picture stuff, right? And then you have position coaches that coach down the line. So the head coach really needs to be in that mode. They don't they don't need to be you know stuck in the mire of what what packages we're going to get in there they need to be looking at the big picture yeah. how can yeah. i put this team in the best position to score that should be their mode through and then once they call the timeout once they've gotten that position then they can dig deeper into it but it doesn't start like you were saying three timeouts with eight seconds left does you nothing but if you got it over nothing. over yeah. a minute you can spread that out and really set yourself up and that's where i think that's where coaches garrett uh Andy Reid has been abysmal at, at, at clock management throughout his career. Terrible. It's they just lose sight of that in that moment. And then it's like, well, at this point, why don't you just assign somebody? And we've talked about this. Backup quarterback. Make make my make my backup quarterback my clock manager. Yeah, exactly. Make him to just, just be aware. Make him a genius about like when to do what, have just the diagram that's just like three timeouts when our goal is to get a touchdown, settle for a field goal. With one minute left, we need to use that first one to stop the clock. Yeah, exactly. Have like have your minute. analytics department run down a, a play sheet, if you will, down distance time. It's you know scenarios just like they have for the the two point scenario, which I guess is a little bit more rudimentary than exactly. this. But that's what you need to have, and you need to have somebody be like, "We got to do it, pull the trigger, and call it now." You know what I mean? 
All right, yeah, you guys weren't listening to us to tell you that Jason Garrett's a piece of shit, so we'll get right into it. Uh, we got a jammed, packed episode 92. We're doing Rip from the Headlines, we're doing Week 13 Reactions, doing Mavsplaining, a new segment. Uh, I know you guys have been curious about this NFL passer rating. We're going to give it to you. We're going to hit the inbox, talk a little Eli Manning, just a little relax. We're going to do our top two, bottom two of the 2010s that we've been doing. This week is Sports Plays. We're going to jump into the Neapolitan Showdown. Worst things about shopping on that holiday season tip. And we're going to finish as we always do with the MVP of the week, ladies and gentlemen. You're our power. Starts now. I believe we're merged and we should be all good. No need to clap it off. This is uh, Most Awesome and Brandana. Brandana coming at you from Miami. Most Awesome coming at you from Don't Worry About It. That's right. right. Miami Uh, North. (laughs) We're looking at a little uh, week 13 recap here. Uh, We did a little out of order. You'll hear the rest of the pod, which recorded early in the morning. But boy, uh, Most Awesome had a cup of coffee. You know, that, but now uh, week 13 is in the book, at least for the early games. Uh, after yeah. shit happening, but uh, what's, what's your takeaway? What, what do you see in these early games? What are we uh, talking about this week, brother? What are we talking about this week? We're talking about it because uh, we got to get week 13 in, and uh, wh- I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm just, I'm shocked at the ineptitude of certain teams. Philly losing to Miami, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Cincinnati beating the Jets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, Carolina yeah. dropping it. What's going on, dude? Yeah, okay, so let's do one given at a time. Like, there's some I'm not super shocked by, so we'll just plow through that. Like, it, it's going to be the biggest thing in the world to see, like, Tennessee take care of Indianapolis, right? Indianapolis, I know they've been Americans' darling, and I think they're getting a little bit more credit than they deserve on dealing with covers and spreads. But now it's just like, this Tennessee team – it's uh, it's doing what they do late in the season, right? The last couple of years we've seen this is Derrick Henry season. Derrick Henry, special teams and defense. I mean, that's that's yeah. really the formula. It's really kind of uh, like we talked about. It's not like it's uh, this trickery or this like slick play calling. It's smash mouth football and just take care of it on the defensive end and win on special teams. That's really what their secret is. So it wasn't much about uh, the special teams, but I, I think there's one thing that we can see eye to eye on. I'm a little shocked that the the Jets shit the bed a little bit on this game. Yeah, and I'm not really... It was a winnable game. Yeah, it should have been a winnable game. They should be 5-7, and seven and I mean, at least, you know, making progress. Adam Gase doesn't want to tank, and Cincinnati yeah. is all but in, like, rebuild mode. Um, and I'm not really even sure when I look at it. It's like, what the hell, like, 22-6. to six, you know, Andy Dalton comes back after being benched for two games. They didn't really run the ball effectively. It's just like I'm not really, I'm not really sure like what could, uh, what's wrong with the Jets defense? Because I I thought the Jets defense, if anything, was going to be the strength of this team, and it clearly isn't. It did. That's what looked weird, right? Because it's just like you see a couple of back-to-back games, and it seems like five and seven. Like everyone's just touting. Like that doesn't mean you're you're not out of it in the AFC of four and seven. Like. Someone, there is going to be a wild card team in the AFC at nine and seven. That's right. just a fact from everything we've seen. It's like this Jets team is just like very well handled a 
Oakland team last year, very or uh, last week, very handily. And just like there's a lot of impressive thing. It's just like it's back to the same consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's. I mean, Adam Gase is not getting them ready for it, and and they didn't really get uh, Le'Veon Bell a lot of carries. Ten carries for 32 yards. You you back up the Brings truck for Le'Veon Bell. You better get him the ball. I mean, he only had 14 touches throughout the entire game. It's like I'm not saying you know burn him out, but let's get your playmakers the ball. You know what I mean? This is the this is the same issue with the Browns too. They don't find ways to get their playmakers the ball. Okay, it's, it's great transition, buddy. Thanks for doing that. Let's go to the Brown Steelers game. Like this should have been um, the Steelers are on a position about all those lies about uh, just doing doing the trade for what. Um, Minka, right? They traded earlier this year. Yeah, they traded a first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you you, you went out on me a little bit there. No, no problem. Yeah, so, and so I think a lot of that was just like everyone trying to back it back it up. It's just oh, they believe Mason Rudolph is the future, and obviously they don't. I think uh, Mike Tomlin has been very vocal about it, and now we have the Browns that are they still have all the talent in the world. It's very much the AFC Dallas Cowboys, and just can't score points. Quick lead. 10 nothing, and then just get, what the fuck's wrong with his team, brother? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. I think it's, well, Freddie Kitchens is what's wrong with the with the Browns. I mean, the, the, yeah. it's clear what it is. I mean, they just can't find creative ways to, I mean, just run the ball down the throat of the Steelers and just be a real physical game. You know the Steelers can rush the passer, so quit fucking running back Baker Mayfield when, you, when you're not doing a very good job pass protecting them. He was sacked five times in this game. Just be physical up front. Just grind it out and keep them. You know you've got – here's what you've got to stop on the Steelers' offense. This guy, Delvin Hodges, whose nickname is Duck, who's like basically signed off the practice squad. You have no James Conner, the Pro Bowl running back. You have no Juju Schuster-Smith, their wide receiver. It's basically their second and third strings on offense. And just make it a possession game – keep them off the field offensively and just try and grind it out and wear them down physically. So the second half, you it starts to open up some of those plays. They're, you know, the defensive line for the Steelers is worn down. But we don't do that. We get cute in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I like to say that. I like to say it's kind of like good teams. Good teams up to nothing. You should be able to, like, manage a lead. And not only did they not manage it, but they were not up at halftime. It's just like, what, what's going on here? Right now, right. the other probably game of the week for everybody is everybody had their eyes on the Baltimore San Francisco game. It did not disappoint. Probably ended about the way we thought it would. Uh, yeah. Baltimore does walk out to a two-point victory, but does not cover the spread. Uh, you get any insight on either of these teams watching this game, brother? It was a little hard to get the an insight on them because the field conditions were terrible. It was really raining pretty hard. But uh, so yeah. So, I mean, here's what it is. Again, we talked about just with the Browns, like, not effectively running the ball. Here's where two teams that were super effective in just possessions, ball control. Uh, the run game in the for the San Francisco 49ers is their strength. I know everyone talks about Jimmy G. And Jimmy G, when you watch him, I've I, I watched him several games now, and it's just like he just doesn't have the confidence. Once the play starts to break down – I get very worried about Jimmy G. When he's got the straightforward read and it's easy to go, it's he looks good and he looks clean. But the second the pressure gets around him, he starts getting a happy feet. 
That's yeah. what I really took away from this San Francisco team. And their defense is just lights out. I mean, their defense is really solid, really stout. So they can rely on their, again, their run game, and they can rely on their defense. And it's going to, you know, it's proven they're 10-2 and two right now. Um, I, I, I question them if you need Jimmy G to make a play in the playoffs, how that's going to shake out for them. Ooh, uh, we'll do real fast. I think it covers all the hot spots before we're going to jump into just a little bit now. The Mavs explaining. Uh, is there anything <laughs> that you took off the docket today? Especially looking forward to like the NFC a little bit. Just that uh, I know we have the AFC game coming up tonight, which is going to be Patriots Texans. I think something to be said there. What's your prediction with Vikings Packers, and then where this where the dust settles after? We saw, you know, the Packers take care of the Giants. Uh, they cover the spread. It was a snowy game. They went on the road. They did fine. Uh, we have, you know, the, the Vikings playing the Seahawks tomorrow with the Seahawks three-point favorites. Uh, is there a big transition this week in the NFC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's going to be a big game for the the Seahawks or for the Vikings here to kind of hold serve with the Packers. I mean, they need to beat the Seahawks and the Seahawks. Now the windows opened up a little bit. They have the, they have the tiebreaker against the the 49ers. So win today puts them in that, in that front runner position. So it'll be, it's going to be an interesting game, that Monday night game. I think, um, and I, you know, it's hard to tell when the Packers go up against a a shitty two and 10 giants to see where they're at. Um, But I was surprised to see that the the Giants were kind of kicking around a little bit. I know Daniel Jones had three turnovers, but there was some moments in that game, late in the game, they were a little closer than what what the score maybe indicated a little bit. So um, I'm interested to see what the Vikes can put together because the Vikes have just been – wildly inconsistent at times as you have uh you've discussed on the podcast at times <laughs> i am but that's what we were thinking I, i'll get your last thought on this before we jump into uh just kind of map playing on i'm going a little bit just I, I don't think we've seen this a little bit like in any conference in a while where it's just like i feel like we know what six teams are going to play Sounds like maybe eagles cowboys maybe that's still up in the air but we know what six teams are going to play off it's just weird that Sabian, like, is it going to be home field that really decides some of this shit? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it really is. I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to come down to just tiebreakers and, and just some home field advantage. I think, I think the playoffs are, like you said, I think we know the six teams that are there. It's just going to be who's going to be able to survive and stay, you know, not as, uh, as injury dinged up towards the end is going to be the ones that are going to have the inside tracks. Yeah, because that's going to blow your mind, right? If I told you it was just like, oh, Seattle's going to San Francisco, like, I, we favor San Francisco by what, like three and a half, maybe four? Like, but no one would be like, it wouldn't blow my mind for some of these home team favorites, even if it would be a Minnesota Vikings team to lose with these teams coming in. Because it's just like, and it, the NFC cream of the crop is tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it would not blow my mind at all. And it wouldn't blow my mind to see, you know, Anybody, the way the, the the season has played out, I'm not shocked anymore by anything. I'm not shocked by, you know, Minnesota going into, you know, Seattle and, and blowing them out or, or putting, the, putting the hurt to them. You know what I mean? I'm just not surprised by anything anymore. But uh, I do think there is a delineation in the NFC and AFC of just the cream the cream teams that are there. I think there's really two strong teams in the AFC. I think there's probably like four really solid teams in the in the NFC, uh, with your Vikes being uh, uh, part of that group as well too. 
All right, buddy, real fast before we jump into the uh, – I know we're going to do the, the best two, worst two, 2010s. We're going to do the Mavs playing. We're going to jump to the inbox. But uh, give me your – what's your final four coming into week 13? Ooh, my final four? Do, yeah. do, I, have to go, do I have to go two AFC, two NFC, or just – Of course, 100%. Four? Nope, two AFC, two NFC. Okay, the AFC is going to be real – Real simple, I like the Patriots and Ravens. I think there's no question about it. Those two teams are the two front runners in the AFC. The NFC, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with your Seattle Seahawks. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> You're such a piece of work, sir. <laughs> and the New Orleans Saints. Um, all right, buddy, you're right there. Uh, we'll definitely talk about this. All right, uh, I zigged on you. I zigged on you. We can edit that out. We can edit that out. <laughs> you, know, you definitely took me up for it, too. Uh, all right, brother, uh, let's jump in right now to Mavsplain. Mavsplain. All right, guys, uh, we are here <laughs> to tell you about these, a little bit more of the details that get overlooked that we just kind of talk about and need a second look so we're here to be the professionals for that and break it down and this week we are talking about qbr uh so off the top there's two different kind of stats you can see right there's like passer rated and qbr uh most awesome can you just give us kind of the macro and what the difference of these two are Sure. So passer rating is the kind of the first originator of a QB evaluation started uh, in basically in 1971. They looked to get a stat to evaluate the quarterbacks. Um, Elias sports uh, stats and information, I believe, and some other key figures of the NFL put it together. They rolled it out with uh, in 1973 using data from quarterbacks from the 60s through the 70s. There is uh, the NFL passer rating is scaled on a 0 to 158.3, that being the perfect passer rating. Um, and the midpoint, a consensus right now is to date an average QB, pa- excuse me, an average passer rating for a quarterback would be 88.6. And that's kind of the, the standard metric that we've used for many, many years. Then QBR came along. ESPN decided they wanted a more... Um, they wanted a, 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 a passer rating score that uh, evaluated some other negative plays and looked at some other stuff in QBR, and that came in 2011, uh, and they kind of have used data, and that's on a 0 to 100 level. Okay, so I kind of saw this with the QBR looking at it, and so that was the big difference, right, for ESPN. ESPN, Dewey, the same guy that puts mm-hmm. Boog McFarland on the air, like this same network <laughs> that just always overfucks with everything, destroys its fantasy app. Once again, it was just like, like you remember when they invented the green zone? Was that ESPN where it's like inside the 40 and it lasted for about like three series and they were just like, this is dumb. Yeah. And then, well, and NBC has done the green, like the green shading on the field, right? Yeah. To show where the, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, good fucking with their fields. Just, just everyone just, every, and they had the, uh, the, the clock was yellow. For like one game, was that that first Monday night game where they made the clock yellow, but it yeah, looked yeah. like a flag was being called on every play? How do you not see that in the room? <laughs> right, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, so ESPN, but basically ESPN was like the reason they did the QBR because they were, they wanted, uh, they had a lot more weight and adjustments in there based on quality of opponent and then like uh, any kind of mm-hmm. negative script plays that the quarterback did as opposed to with the NFL passer rating, you know, you could, you could take a sack, which would hurt your team, but it wouldn't show up on your stat line. 
just that or it exactly. would it wouldn't weigh into the NFL passer rating. Exactly, yeah. The only thing that really on the passer rating that is a negative is is interceptions, which yeah. we know, you know, quarterbacks that's the, not the best way to measure them negatively. So you have all this positive data. The other thing that I noticed with the passer rating too is is that the if if the way that they break it down is, is there's a you know a, an algorithm that they put together, but basically each function that they that they create if it exceeds a certain threshold, they just cap it off at a certain threshold. And conversely, if it's negative, they cap it off at zero. So without getting too into like the math of it, it really looked to me as it's like oh well that passer rating doesn't really show the peaks of you know yeah. a, a a perfect passer rating, you know, there's there's even layers in between that perfect passer rating is even in a zero two. There's layers in between that, and that to me is just doesn't it just it, it doesn't seem like a fair metric because my great game and your great game could be vastly different. Exactly considering opponents and things like that. Yeah. So if if caps off is just like oh the best you can do at you know passing yards is a fucking score of seventy, and then you throw for right. like. You throw for 212 yards, I throw for like 350, and we both get that 70 score. When it's like we both exactly. we both Thank had you. two different performances. Right. Uh, yeah, the QBR, so um, real fast right now, this is the ESPN one. Each QB action play uh, passes, rushes, sacks, scrambles, and penalties uh, attributed to this mm-hmm. QB score. Adjusted for the difficulty of each play, uh, it also takes into account the type and depth of pass and whether the QB was pressured. Um, if there's a completion, he is only credited for the typical number of yards after the catch, uh, as opposed to like all of it. And then, uh, it does discount some things for garbage time. So I see what ESPN was trying to do here a little bit, but it, I, I which, just, which you like that you, you, you like that. Cause you, that's what everything you've always said, like the gym, your Jameis Winston, you know, comp is, yeah. I don't want a guy that just rolls up or, or Matt Ryan in the fourth quarter for garbage time. Yeah. I feel like you're baiting me and trying to make me look stupid by actually getting behind <laughs> something that ESPN does, but I will take it. I do. No, I do no. Like that. I'm, I'm looking at it like you can see they're well-intended in this, but they still miss the mark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, it, but I would say it's better. Would you say it's better? The QBR is better than the passer rating? Uh, I, I would have to say like, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a good, great question. It's, I don't know if either of these are good. It's, and it's, it's a lateral step yes. to me. It's, it was okay. trying to do what it did because it's just like whenever there's an egregious example, I can't get behind it. I think your example is, you know, the cap thing, which, uh, you know, two performances that weren't the same can appear the same on paper, which makes it that useless to me. And then on the QBR side, like there's an example of it was I think it was like Aaron Rodgers um, in me of the podcast versus like Tim Tebow. But Tim Tebow had a higher QBR, but the Packers were winning by like 28 like, and it was just yeah. like Tim Tebow played like one half or something. It was just kind of this anomaly. So I guess until you perfect it, you can roll it out there. But like these are still, to me, works in progress on like rating QB. And maybe quarterback is honestly such a complicated position where it's just like one number on a piece of paper ain't going to tell me who's the best. And and that's, that's I think, where, where we're going with that. And the other thing with the QBR is, is they talked about – Charlie Batch had like a perfect QBR rating and he had like 212 yards, zero touchdowns and two INTs. Yeah. It's like, well, what the fuck does that make <laughs> fucking sense? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree. They're both, I think the, there is, there a lateral adjustment. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think you make a very salient point is, is how the, the position of QB 
is so difficult to measure in just one like consolidated number, it's really not fair. We don't really look at like any other position in in the sports. We don't look at it in just one single number to evaluate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't look at running backs and try and evaluate that way. We don't look at you know NBA centers that way. Why why are we trying to do that with the QB? And I think it's really just because it is the centerpiece of the NFL and they want some sort of stat to prove like he's better than that, you know, rings and wins. I, I don't see where that, how that doesn't fall into that metric at all. You know what I mean? Exactly. I okay. Yeah. Trying to look at a career basis. So our, our big thing on maps playing, what we're maps playing to you right now is that's the kind of breakdown for you. And it's just like, do your homework. Like you're not going to see it like on a piece of paper, like in a vacuum who the best quarterback is. Cause it's just like, it's little things like even like sacks, man, there's difference between like a Kirk Cousins sack and then like, you know, uh, Baker Madfield sack. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like they, they look the same on paper, but it's Kirk Cousin is a lot more, he will not roll out. He's a lot more, like, susceptible to, like, laying down and just getting sacked Alex Smith style. To where, like, Baker Madfield, you know, he's, like, rolling. Mayfield, sorry. Oh, you got me doing it, It's bro. okay. Not, uh, yeah, 92 pods of, of doing it. <laughs> rolling out to the right and, sh- and shitty offensive line. So We've got to adjust our Mab rating is what it is. <laughs> we do. Uh, all right, guys, if you have anything for us to Mabsplain, you want to break us down and just talk at you, uh, tell us what you want to hear. <laughs> it may be sportspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, all right, let's jump into the inbox. Um, all right, this email comes in. It's basically uh, – I can't pull it up because I'm on the road recording from my phone. I got it. I can right. I can get yeah, it. Yeah, fire it off real fast. Okay. Ooh, this, this, this is my, no, my time. I know. This feel, I didn't want to do it because I was just like, is this going to be habitual now? He's going to take it over? It's just a one-man show. No, 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 no. no. Right, this, right. Is your, this is your talent, all my right, friend. Right. But I, I'm stepping up. I'm pinch, I'm pinch email reading here. <laughs> so we got a, this, this, this mabber wrote in, Eli is the subject line. Should more credit be given to Eli Manning for graciously sitting on the sidelines and watching this horrible New York Giants team lose each week? Hasn't, he hasn't raised a fuss or declared early retirement or said anything negative. Aren't these the characteristics of a true leader and champion? Great question. No matter. Really good. So out of the gate, uh, they are. And my thing is just like, are we in a state of affairs right now where we have to hats off people doing what they should be fucking doing? Like, I'm glad he's not like, hmm. it's, it's more of yes. like, um, I, I don't think he should be given more credit. But I do like the fact he set an example on what it should be because this is this is what the default should be. You should be doing this. So it's like it's less hats off and it's just more of like thank you for not raising a fuss and being like a little bitch about this. Like graciously right. just kind of watching your career end. Yeah, and, and are we not surprised? I mean the Mannings are the most thoughtful. Peyton himself, Eli, they've done it right in terms of quarterbacks and what we've looked at because – They've really skirted that line, and we've, we've talked about Baker Mayfield, about how we don't like it and all of his you know, social media and paying yeah. attention to all the haters and doing all this stuff. The Mannings have really done the, like, really, like, you know, walk that tightrope of being a professional quarterback, leading your teams, you know, winning, being the consummate professional, and then balance the, the outside of the football things, like going on Saturday Night Live, yeah. doing funny commercials, but they never let the two – blend into each other they keep it very church and state if you will and it's just a prime example of why eli is such a good character guy and what we should look at i mean they're the test case for how this should handle it's obviously not the very few quarterbacks very few nfl players or even professional athletes get to control their final act as a as an athlete 
And so when you're faced in this position where the young and upcomer, you know, your time is over in this town, you know, you can either bow out graciously at the end of the season. He's not taking away from what the team is doing right now. I'm sure he'll look at retirement at the end of the year, or maybe he'll look to go and move on to another team. But either way, he's sitting there in silence and understanding, like, this is the direction of this franchise, and I have to sit here silently and support my team because if I sit there and throw a bombshell like, oh, I want to trade or I want to, you know, I'm going to retire at the end of the year, then it becomes everything about him and not about the team and that's what we hate the most about professional athletes when they make it me centric not we centric yeah who did the worst so just in the quarterback position i think you know um obviously wide receivers notoriously divas and do not ride off into the sunset without making a bunch of fucking noise but um i would say (laughs) brett Favre is the one that kind of did it sloppy right like had had the next guy taken over underneath them, uh, everyone yeah. knew it was that. Refused to kind of, which is fine. Refused to tutor. I actually, I don't, I don't think the same with like Tom Brady. I don't think part of your job description is like I gotta like train who's gonna replace me. I think it's that can be kind of insulting, and you don't have to do that. But it's also not being loud about it. That's the difference to me with Eli Manning. Real fast is like I don't know if he still wants to play. It's almost like he's in agreement that it's over. And it's, yeah. it's, it's got to be hard to watch a team, if he did feel like he still had it, to be replaced by a guy and then have the team like not performing any better or slash worse. Yeah, and maybe and, – and there's an interesting back history between him and Daniel Jones through David Cutcliffe. They've known each other. So David Cutcliffe was the head coach at Duke, was also the coach at Ole Miss – with Eli uh, in college and then also was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee with Peyton. So there is a little back history. So maybe that's a, you know, there's that softens that blow for Eli to then kind of, well, I, I, I'm invested in this kid. He's probably known Daniel Jones for quite some time, has some back history and is like, well, let's make this kid as successful as possible. But, you know, it, it is one of those things. It's not his job and responsibility to do that. So if he doesn't think he is able to do it you would sit there and you would hear something you'd you'd you start to think that there'd be something or rumblings that he would want to play or still has a desire yeah i'm sure the new york sports reporters are asking him all the time i i I haven't heard anything one way or the other you know come out about it so that does make me feel like maybe he's like ah you know i'm gonna hang it up i've got a good long run and this is how it's gonna end and i'm just gonna ride off silently into the sunset and sneak into the hall of fame probably sneak gross sneak into the hall of fame. um all right guys the decades come to a close let's talk about it top two bottom two of 2010s there's nothing where he used to lie the conversation has won dry that's what's going on nothing's fine i'm torn i'm all out of faith this is how um, this week we're talking top two, bottom two plays. And just a reminder, guys, we're doing uh, sports plays. Uh, we're going to tackle all the topics until the ball drops on this decade. Uh, these are not in any order. Uh, just two. Mm-mm. Two of our ideas. They're definitely the top, but not in an order. Uh, let's start as we do with the bottom. I'll come out of the gate. Um, do the Russell Wilson throws an interception in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. So these are kind of weird because mm. these can be, you know, these can kind of be top plays, but this is bottom on. You have Marshawn Lynch. It's uh, mm. So if you guys remember, I'll take you back there real fast. Patriots up 28 to 24. 
Uh, there's 24 seconds left. It's second and goal from the two. Seattle has the ball. And one timeout. And yes. on second and two, they decide to just throw like a quick slant up the middle. The receiver fades a little bit, goes a little too high, and Malcolm Butler is able to jump in there and pick the ball off, sealing uh, a Patriots victory that should have, especially with Marshawn Lynch, that should have been no-brainer Seahawks touchdown. Probably the biggest Super Bowl left on the table, yeah? Yes. I mean, I would say, I mean, you know, definitely this decade. I mean, it was. But you had, yeah, because you're, like, you're on the two and you have Marshawn Lynch. There, there's two things. Yes. Like, uh, like at the peak of his powers, like it's just, you run the ball twice there. And you can because you even have a timeout. There's so many little nuances of where you want to forgive the Seahawks for this, but you just can't. Right. Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator in that, you know, I mean, uh, he's the one that made that play call along with Pete Carroll. And it's one of those things that's interesting because, like you said, it is you do have that timeout. You had what was it? 25 seconds left. They had on the clock. Is 24. That, yeah. Is that really what it was? 24 seconds. Yeah. 40. 24. 24. 24 seconds. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, obviously you could run it on second down and then call the timeout. And then obviously you're kind of forced to maybe throw it on you know, third down and then, you know, figure it out on fourth down because either you get it or you don't. Yeah. And so maybe they were worried about, well, that's we're giving the Patriots the edge on that. I'm not trying to explain it away. No, no, I'm just yeah. I think through their, their thought sure. process, but it is the most conventional thing. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch is the perfect inside, give me two yards. Yeah. Guy. In your, you know your I mean? honest and, opinion, and yeah. It's I, like you got a timeout in your pocket. Yeah, I know nothing's a guarantee. In your opinion, if Marshawn Lynch runs the ball twice up the middle. Any way he doesn't score a touchdown. I, I mean, yeah, so there's going to have to be – the Patriots are going to have to stand on their head. And it's a classic example of the coaches overthinking that Yeah, process, exactly. That's right? what I was going to say. I was going to ask you if your opinion it was just like, are we getting too cute? Like, don't you – because I yeah. think – I can't say this for sure. I, they came out of some stop clockage into that 24-second second down because I think Marshawn Lynch ran to the outside and I think they burned one timeout there. So they weren't rushing okay. up to the line. So I think you right. can call two plays in that huddle and it's just like Marshawn Lynch to fucking A-gap on this side, Marshawn Lynch to the fucking C-gap, whatever, on the other side. We're doing that for second down, doing that for third down. Just line up right after we run this. Yeah, exactly. It's like let's let's recognize the situation and, and what we have – and they they definitely were thinking they're going to think that, and we're going to run a, a rub play, a pick play, which is pretty effective, you know, for a couple yards. And Malcolm Butler, to his credit, read it, saw it, and jumped the route. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, they they and 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 the Patriots, to their credit, they didn't panic and they didn't they let the clock run down and they put the pressure on the 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 Seahawks to make that decision. So it was one of those things where you would have normally expected the Patriots to try and start calling timeouts to save time. Yeah. They let that clock run down and then put the pressure on them because they had the lead and said, all right, well, we'll let you just, we'll let you, we'll let you panic. And they did. Because we saw that in the, in the Oakland Lions game for you this year. Like it, it didn't work out, but kind of Oakland was in a similar situation where, you know, the, the Lions are just flying down the field and then Oakland burns a fucking timeout. And it's just like, I love I love Bill Belichick's confidence in this. Like, uh, you know, obviously Bill Simmons podcast, uh, friend of the podcast, like gives it all this credit. Like he's a genius. Like looked over the sidelines and he just saw them like panicking. I don't know if all that shit's right. true, but I do like the idea of just kind of a baseline rule. Of just like 
I'm going to let them scurry. Like, why would I call a timeout to let them collect all their, yeah. you know, thoughts and then like verse them? I'm going to use this to my advantage, like have my defense stop it. Great brother. Um, what's one of your bottoms? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I'm going to go. We'll say with we'll say with football on this one. I'm going to go to 2010. Uh, an early uh, game in the 2010 NFL season. I'm going to go with Calvin Johnson in the completing the process of the catch. The first time that that line was ever uttered to us. That's great. What year uh, was just it? Just to set the scene, it was. What's that? It was t- 2010. Okay, I thought you said. It. Okay, great. Sorry, yeah, I mean, and, I'm just uh, I'm trying to remember how long this has been hanging over our fucking head. It's hard to believe that's been like 10 years since this was ruined. <laughs> Exactly, yes. And this is the thing. This is the first time. This is why it's particularly a bad play for the decade because it sent up a decade of us having to go against our better common sense and judgment and start really evaluating what a catch is and just the countless hours of NFL football that we watched over this decade debating that. And like you said, the bar guy who comes up to you and, you know, it starts, you know, trying to explain to you about the process and everything like that. Mm. Obviously, you know, uh, just to give the set the example, for those that don't remember, it's the the fourth quarter, kind of uh, 19 to 14. The Bears are up against the Lions. Sean Hill drops back, throws a deep ball to one Megatron, Calvin Johnson, who goes up, catches it over the defensive back, comes down with two feet, and as he's turning away from the defender, you know, because his arms are tangled, extends the ball with his right hand, and then with his left hand starts to brace himself as he falls against the ground. And then in one kind of sweeping motion, brings his hand down to the ground with the football in it, the right hand, uses it to kind of pop himself up, squeezes the ball. The ball comes loose from his hands and he goes up to celebrate because everyone else in the stadium, everyone around thinks he scored it. And it's funny listening back to the announcers on it. Everyone talked, on it, it, earth thought he scored it because <laughs> he did. Yes. Score. yes. Because he did score it, but he made like a football play. Like up until that point, what we talked about possession was making a football play. Two feet down and turning and making a, th- a third movement yeah. would be considered a football play. And so then, even it's funny going back to it, the announcers on that game were talking about, oh, well, you know, the refs were really strong. So I almost wonder if this was like a conscious effort in the beginning of the season for, you know, how they roll out new rules. It's yeah. like really focus about the process. And then these two knuckleheads for the nfl ref uh, you know association or whatever they are they go in there and they rule it's an incomplete ball because you know he didn't um complete the process of the catch whatever the fuck that means but if you're six five and you jump over somebody land with two feet come down fall down and then pop your push yourself up to get up off the ground i think that that's pretty much a completion of the process in this podcaster's mind, God damn, I'm so upset about it. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you, brother. Which is funny because it's not. Uh, this happened to like Calvin Johnson a year later, also, right? Like uh, there's something like it's this. Like, Cal- yeah, it's happened. It happened to Calvin Johnson a couple years later. It happened to Des Bryant. Yeah, Des Bryant in that, that, that Packers, Packers game. playoff yep. game. Yeah, uh, and it's also oh, so there's there's a lot of shit I have with this. I can see what the league's trying to do, but it's it's almost like the nuance of what words we use because Calvin Johnson 1000% caught the ball and he had control of the ball and then like set it down or let it go. It's just, it's also like the inconsistency, like it sheds lights on the inconsistency about like uh, the end zone rules 
You know, like as a right. as a running back, if you jump up and you just like or quarterback and just the tip of the nose touches the goal line and then somebody swats it out of your hand and runs it back, it's just like as soon as that goal line's broken with any kind of possession, it's a touchdown. But fantastic point. As, fantastic point. As a receiver, you have to catch it. You obviously have control and all the way down to the ground, and then if like you like let go of the ball as it hits the ground, then it's like it's it's. It's muddled and once again like something the league hasn't figured out and I just I don't like how passive they there's almost an arrogance that the NFL has and maybe maybe all leagues but it's just like when they don't figure something out or introduce it and we're kind of going through it this year like in a different thing with the pass interference thing they're just like it's obviously yeah. a mistake to be able to challenge pass interference but they're just like mm, it's it's fine we'll, we're figuring it out like it's it's fine I do like how they're handling it but it's you know a, a more concerted effort to be like we got this one wrong we're trying to improve the game. Yeah, and it doesn't seem again, we're again talking about the the Seahawks like we're going against common sense, like we're getting too cute with it. Why are we slowing these plays down to, you know, frame by frame to see what it is? Just trust our instincts on it. We know it when we see it. If we have doubts, then go to the replay booth. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're sitting there going and 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 parsing out every morsel of these plays. And then it's even magnified by like you said earlier the inconsistency of well then why is it any different than this yeah you know what i mean like there you could you could argue there's less of a you know shouldn't the 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 guy jumping over the huddle or the the pile shouldn't he have to come down before he loses i mean you know it's just insane to me it's it's really inconsistent and it's it 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 tears at the fabric of these games but i do wonder it's like i wonder if the nfl with the pass interference rules and all these rules it's like Hey, kind of like you know, like the, the like the media. Like if it bleeds, it leads. Like hey, people want to see this. They like it if there's a kerfuffle about stuff. This isn't bad for business. Like you know, good press is you know, bad press is, is still you know press. Yeah, that's I just, what we want. And I, I wonder sometimes about that. I did have a theory that bummed me out before I move on to uh, our other bottom twos. Um, <laughs> is that like anything that extends the game is more commercial breaks. So the league is pro that, which. Is yeah. disgusting. To yeah, think about. I mean that. That's that's a that's an interesting conspiracy theory that has been floating out there, and it makes sense. It's like why are we why are we muddling and watching these replays all the time? You know what I mean? I'm not buying Geico insurance from you. Get over it. Quit shoving it down right. my throat. Um, all right, I like Brandon is a general man. <laughs> Get over it. The general never could. Aff- forward NFL time. Um, I like your tip on kind of cause and effect looking at these bottom plays. I went down that ankle for my other bottom play, which is uh, doing the um, Draymond Green nut punch of Mm -hmm. LeBron James in the game four of NBA Finals. Uh, This has a lot of cause and effect because it's, I think we all remember it, it's game four, Golden State is up uh, two games to one. They do end up closing out that uh, game to go up three games to one. But what happens is Draymond yeah. Green gets himself suspended. Let's remember also, he didn't get himself suspended for that. They did review it, saw it was flagrant, and he was over his flagrant limit. So it's not like it was so egregious. Yes. They were just like, he ain't playing in game five. It was more of just like he had these mini flagrants leading up, and it just happened to land on the fact that he gets suspended. Uh, obviously, we all know that Cleveland go on to win. Well, and also, go ahead. And also too, sorry to interrupt. Nobody. In, in the Western Conference playoffs, he kicked Steven Adams in the nuts. Yeah. That's what he got. He got a flagrant two. I think it was a flagrant one ruled on a flagrant two, which is amped that up. And it was like he 
ran into him. Steve, he was on the offense, and then he like kicked his leg violently up and caught Steven Adams right in the nuts. And it was like everyone was like, "Oh, he's intentionally trying to do that." Flash forward to the finals, then he, you know, like tries to back sack LeBron as he's like getting up. It's it's insane. Back sack. It is insane. I want to ask you this real fast, just about dirty players, because Draymond Green is obviously higher on my list, and I think even by the players, uh, a couple years in a row, he was voted like the dirtiest. Uh, yeah. Is that a player that you like if you're a Golden State Warrior fan? For example, when you're a Lions fan, did you like having Indomitian Sue? Yeah, you like you you do like him. He's like he's, he's our guy, especially you know if it's just not a dirty you know like you know hockey players have hockey goons. Mm. You like those guys are big badass dudes. They come out and they're enforcers. You know, Draymond in that green game, excuse me, had I think like 32 points or like yeah, he played really well in that game. So, you know, he he brought it up. I mean, and and I'm a big I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in that when there are, are bad dudes that everyone hates, they're guys that you love having on your team. Bill Ambeer for the Pistons was that guy for us. I love yeah. having him on the Pistons, but if he was on the Supersonics, I would have fucking hated him. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just those guys, and you can't, as a fan, you have to, you can't be so blind to the fact and say, well, that's bullshit and trying to equivocate green's actions right you know well lebron shouldn't have stepped over him so that's why he did it no 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 yeah that shit like that fucking happens all the time cooler heads must prevail because he has to realize that he's better on the court than you know being suspended so relax and you're up like eight points with like a like a minute 45 in that game so as fans it's our job to sit there and be like yeah that was a dirty play like i never thought like oh and dominic and sue was okay like stomping on the, the offensive lineman for the packers it's just like oh that's kind of a a bullshit play but you know you, you gotta be you gotta be smarter than that you know so you can't sit there and try and defend those actions that's all I'm, you know that's what i'm saying yeah makes sense uh yeah so just cause and effect too like he doesn't punch the nuts uh he plays game five uh probably more likelihood that golden state wins that series which puts them maybe almost not debatably which i guess kind of an oxymoron doesn't make sense so maybe it is debatably um but as you know are they the greatest science of all time and also lebron takes away lebron bringing that championship to cleveland which i don't think he would stop playing in cleveland until he got on that championship especially after the decision so like if he doesn't get it that year like is he trying to pull free agents there like the whole nba landscape's different maybe he's not even in la well that's the thing is is do they does Draymond in that after that game seven when they lose, does he call Kevin Durant if they win to try and you know coax Kevin Durant to come to uh, to come to Golden State? Yeah, you know maybe he doesn't think they need that, um, which they which they that's been you know mentioned and discussed at nauseum that that's what they did. They recruited Garnett right after the finals, so. Yeah, it does definitely change a lot of the the landscape of of the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just crazy. And then, like, I don't have that bet I make on Brooklyn Nets future for to win the championship this year. (laughs) Never happens. And then I have a hundred extra dollars that I basically just wasted. Uh, All right, buddy, what's your other bottom two? Well, we're gonna keep with it. Twenty seventeen was it the? Game one of the NBA Finals. Shit, I don't remember what year it was. But anyways, J.R. Smith, game one of the Finals, uh, blows it. What's up? I oh, know that's good. I like it. Oh, oh, I was laughing. Yeah, I, I was know, I thought, like I, thought, I was just kind of remembering. Oh, I know you, you, you got. Oh, my hand went up. Sorry. I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, so, uh, you know, 2017 NBA Finals, game one, J.R. Smith, 
um, catches a free throw, miss with like 4.7 seconds left, tied at 107, thinks that they're up, although he says that he knew that they were tied, runs basically the clock out, runs to about midcourt, and then flings the ball back over to George Hill for a wild three. Uh, clearly LeBron was looking at him going, what are you doing? Why are, we, why are you doing this? And uh, totally blows game one of a series that they end up getting swept. LeBron James famously poured his heart and soul into that game and then broke his hand, or they say hand contusion, but yeah. he said his hand was pretty jacked up, punching a whiteboard after that. Changing that, it was just a – we talk about situational awareness – paying attention it was clear in that game and a game that they had an opportunity to steal and maybe changing the course of that finals a little bit um he blows it and uh they go on to win in overtime golden states and then sweep the Cavs. and then lebron decides hey let's go to let's go to lakers i'm done yeah probably good call uh yeah see this show out of the um say this jr smith the Jameis winston of the nba what are you going to get? A lot of talent there. <laughs> Which basket's going in? We don't know. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, brother, top two real fast. I have uh, Ray Allen ties the game in the uh, NBA Finals. Again, I can, I got to be better. I got to look up the the year. What was this? This I was know, like right? 2011? Uh, a 12. 2012? 2012? No. But we, we all know what I'm talking about. San Antonio leads the series three games to uh, their Miami Spurs are up 95-92 with 12.2 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Heat bring the ball down. They set up a little three play for LeBron James from the elbow. Uh, he misses and then kicks it out to Ray Allen who buries a three in the corner to tie the game. And that to me just kind of, you know, Spurs, if he misses that three, the Spurs win the series. And then mm. we have Miami who ends up winning like uh back to back again and gets LeBron James. This is first the first chip, yeah? Second chip. Uh first chip. That one, no, second chip because they won the first year against Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yep. And um yeah, no, that's a, it's an amazing clutch shot. It is like the the first point of Ray Allen's Hall of Fame career, right? I mean, that, yeah, exactly. Because uh, I think also, like, as being going down as one of the most legendary three-point shooters of all time, like, to have right. that on the resume also is just, like, not only did I make three points all the time, like, I made one in a huge fucking spot. Yeah, it's pressure. It's the play scrambling, the awareness to get and that's not behind. that's that's a tough three also, man. That you're right. running not for Brandana, that's your spot. That, that is my spot. That's for my mortal spot. men. You you're running away from the basket and then you immediately yeah. like stop and turn around and just like kind of momentum the other way. Like it's 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 a rough it's a rough hang. Because especially like just like spot shooters like I am, like I like kind of like <laughs> right. I like to I like to catch it when I'm already there and kind of like raise up there. But it's like and I know yeah. obviously Ray Allen can do that, but it's also I think separating himself as like a three point shooter is just by any means necessary, I'm knocking down threes. Yeah, exactly. And and getting his feet set, getting behind the line, it's just a, a clutch play, knowing the awareness of what's going on. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing play. Great one. Great one for the decade. It definitely, you know, when you look at the decade, it is definitely up there. I'm going to go speak. We're going a lot of uh, Marshawn Lynch this year. Oh, yeah. We're going to go. I'm going to go uh, 20. Now I'm, I didn't write the, the date. <laughs> we'll be better, guys. But it. you know what? We'll narrow it down. It happened last decade. So just look up. Exactly. 2010. 
Yeah. 2010, the Beastquake NFC Championship game. Marshawn Lynch goes for 67 yards against the New Orleans Saints and literally runs through their entire defense. Yeah. Stiff arms Tracy Porter into 2020, I think. I think it's that <laughs> he's way. Done. Really just rockets he, off. And then, he's and, still backpedaling. <laughs> he finally got his balance. Exactly. And then the the the, the perfect, the, the, the best part is when he runs into the end zone, he does like this half, you know, 180 turn and grabs his nuts. And it was Marshawn Lynch way. It's fucking beautiful. The place goes nuts. I mean, you've read lots of reports about you know the the Seahawks stadium just literally going bonkers. You know, like a, a a level of decibels that are unparalleled in in sports history. Yeah, just going nuts. Well, I got the, I got know, this confused, uh, and yeah, because it measured on the Richter scale or whatever. I guess it's a cheesy thing, but it did like yeah. it actually hurt it. I, why was I thinking this game was in New Orleans? New Orleans was a favorite, but this was in Seattle. It must have been one. This of, was in Seattle. It must have been one of those years that I think New Orleans was like. Uh, like a nine point favorite, I want to say, or ten point favorite, or something. Ooh. But I, but I think it was. We'll have to look that up. This sounding really high now. But I, everyone had the Saints winning it. It must have just been one of those years that, I guess maybe Atlanta was kicking ass also, and then like New Orleans yeah. went in as like a wild card and had to go to Seattle, but they were still like, you know, uh, road dog favorites. No, road, right, not exactly. road dog favorites. Road favorites. Road favorites. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is going to be like your Vikes, you know, having to go to like yeah. to, Dallas. to Dallas. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So great, unbelievable run. It really kind of capped it off. And, uh, you know, we're big fans of Marshawn Lynch. Big, big. I, I, I want to say friend of the pod. I want to say friend of the pod. Big fans. Yeah, get on there. Big fans. Yeah. Um, I'll do. Uh, I'm just calling rain delay in game seven of the World Series, like Indians versus Cubs, to give uh, the Cubs their first. Uh, championship that they were able to bring home in 108 years uh, drought snap. Right. Nine, 1908. So do the math. That's 2016. We know that year. Boom. Uh, yeah, so basically we got uh, they jump out to a, like a mid-game lead and go up like three runs to six and then they kind of watch that lead dissipate. It ends up being tied at six, goes into extra innings. Uh, they call it the rain delay and then I think that just sometimes you just need a second. Sometimes momentum's not working your favorite favor, even for baseball. And I think they were able to look at each other and be like, We're so fucking close on this. Like, we need to bring this to Chicago. And then they got their bats yeah. going a little bit. And then uh score run, two runs in the tenth, Indians score one run in the tenth, and Chicago Cubs, world champions. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh great. I love you know the theatrics. I'm glad we got a little baseball on this too, because you know if you go through 108. Years I tried. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's chip, listening. They're probably like, probably oh, well that, deserved. yeah, that was that was a little forced, and it's just like, yeah, it was. But let's <laughs> let's try to let's, this is a sports <laughs> podcast. Let's try to cover them all. I got it because I think on my console, which I know you get into, is um, I talked a little. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't want to step on your leading case. Something you got on my console. What do you got? No, no, no. Uh, uh, well, I talked about it last pod. I think the block. In the 2016 NBA Finals, Braun on Andre Iguodala is to me. I I, I remember it. It's there's a couple plays on. I think there's one on the console bracket that we'll talk about. It's like watching that play. I remember myself in that watching that play. That's how impactful it was to me to set the stage. Minute 56 left. They're tied at 89. Game seven. The Cavs have come back from three down three one, uh, and. There is, uh, you know, Kyrie goes into the lane, you know, takes a floater that kind of misses a little bit on the on the long end. 
the Cavs or the the Warriors get a breakout. Iguodala gets out, passes the ball to Steph Curry, who passes back. Passes back. J.R. Smith is the only man back. He kind of tries to go for the block a little bit. Uh, Iguodala double pumps, and then out of nowhere, LeBron James comes, pins the ball against the backboard. Cavs get the rebound, come back down. It was an unbelievable play. LeBron, just so you know, was on the other was on the other side of the court in front of the, the Warriors bench, travels 88 feet, clocking in at 20 miles an hour, jumps from like the middle of the free throw lane up and pins it just at the right time. It's it was like I remember watching it. I remember seeing you could just see LeBron just accelerating and gaining. I remember standing up watching it going, is he going to be able to get this? Like, yeah, he's going to be able to fucking do this. And it was like watching like a jaguar chase down a gazelle. (laughs) And it was just like the the most like insane thing you've ever seen. And he just pins it. It was it. You know, the Cavs went on to win 93-89. It definitely like set the tone, changed the course of that game. I think, you know, they get that bucket. Who knows what happens? But that was just like an incredible all-out play. I'm a big fan of defensive plays. I love it. I love the hustle, the energy, the effort. LeBron James is the best player in the world, not giving up, not letting his team get defeated, coming back down from 3-1, bringing that chip to Cleveland. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable play. Yeah, so I, I think that's also something like an ESPN taking note. Maybe this shows up in your QBR rating or something, but it's just like uh, the want you know, like, there's some people yeah. that are just, like, physically gifted and not shit on him or whatever, but, like, you know, they always talk about, like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's, like, want versus, like, Kobe's, right. like, want. And you just, like, it's great when you see the full packages. Like, LeBron James not only is ultra-talented, but, like, there's no fucking question. When he's on the court, like, he absolutely, insanely wants to win. And I think that's where yeah. you see plays like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. That was in that going back to the the worst plays that that game one that J.R. Smith like LeBron was magnificent in that game and carried them. They shouldn't have been on that court with the Warriors. It shouldn't have been that close at the end of game one. Gave them a real shot to win. Had fifty one points in that game. Um, that 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 game one is just like the want, the desire. He puts everything into it and carries. It makes everyone around him better. He's everything that we want. That's why we named him our, our athlete of the year. Uh, or athlete of the decade, excuse me, because um, he's just an amazing athlete. It's great. Um, all right, brother, what's your? That's your top spot. A uh, quick consolation. We got to jump into the Neapolitan showdown. I real yep. fast. I just had um, was it Villanova beating UNC on that three yeah. pointer? Chris was Jenkins, out. unbelievable three. Unreal. Yeah. Deep three at that. Unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah, it's also. I remember. It, I, yeah, I was bit. in my living room and had to yell silently because everyone was. Like, <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. It was just like it, it was not. It was also like you know, UNC had been there before and just seeing this team kind of take it down to the wire and able it. And there's just something about the way when March Madness shows up, the way they have those rims miked and everything. I don't. It's so excited to watch those games. <laughs> like it's just like For the sure. sound of a three pointer is like boo like it's it reminds me of like double dribble on nintendo <laughs> it's just like yeah that's right like the base yeah right uh Kato, what do you got buddy um going with uh obviously the it's there's not one single play but uh you know the uh oh i was gonna go with the 28 13 win just coming back just little plays dinking and dunkin yeah uh, i don't have one specific play in mind but that was that that stood out for the the game or the the plays of the the year there for me 
Awesome, brother. Um, all right, guys. Uh, next week we'll tackle. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll let you know. Maybe do like a little pop culture, but we'll keep the top yep. two, bottom twos of the 2010s coming. Um, all right, brother. It's high noon. Bring us to the jam. So let's leave it alone. Cause we can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. All right, Neapolitan Showdown. Uh, worst things about shopping. Holiday season is upon us. Bruh. Yeah. And we know we got to do We just do- got through Black Friday. Yeah. Did you go out? Did you do anything? Did you guys go? Fuck. Try- no. No way. <laughs> that would have been my guess. Um, all right, jumping into it real fast. Out of the gate. Worst thing about shopping knowing someone's sizes. And there's no way to get that information sneakily. Like if it's just like yeah. if you're out shopping and you're just like, you know, I'd really like to get my niece this like pair of shoes. I'm just like, is it fucking six and a half? Is it seven? Like I don't – she got to – and this, this is another thing with sizes. Like I don't – I hate the idea. I think we talked about this before. I don't ever return gifts. I think it's like the – like gifts receipts is just like makes my hair want to explode because like just the Ooh. idea of like getting someone a gift and just being like – I don't like it. It's like, oh, get yourself something else. It's weird. It's just like, you know, that's not what the spirit of gift giving is about. It's like, I thought about you. This is what I thought about you. You know, when I saw this, here you go. And for you to be like, you know what? Instead, I just like the $39.99 of store credit from J. Crew if it's all the same to you. So the idea of someone like getting something and opening up on the holidays and then being like, oh, this doesn't fit. Now I have to go take it back. Now I just gave them like a chore. Yeah, like yeah, I gave him right. like an errand, which kind of sucks. So uh, and also sizes, and also too the inconsistency of sizes, like yes. your niece's shoes, yeah. a six in in kids shoes isn't universally a six in 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 any other like brand of kids shoe. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So it becomes very tough, and it's like that's where you almost have to have that gift receipt because you're like, fuck, I don't know. Maybe I just give you a Foot Locker gift card and you figure it out. Yeah, I know. Still, gift cards aren't in the. I'll give you a Netflix subscription. I'll figure it out. I don't. Don't, don't worry about nieces, nephews. They'll be taken care. Of. <laughs> What's your bottom spot, bro? It's funny because I have a the, the the precursor to yours. I have when you're trying to get a gift for somebody else. There is nothing more maddening, and it's like I'm I'm a bad gift giver. I think I don't I don't pay attention Ooh. well enough, and I and and also too. Is it me or does everyone get real tight-lipped with what they want right around the Christmas time? Like, don't make me have to figure it out and, like, you know, Inspector Clouseau and trying to figure it <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Pink Panther this shit and trying to figure this out. Like, just, like, can you just sit there and tell me flat out, I want X. And I'll go out and get you X. Yeah. Why does me like cataloging all your needs and wants man god do i sound like a guy who's been married for 10 years like you sound exactly like that yes <laughs> you know what i mean like right yeah like why like why do i gotta cancel like a catalog in june you know like ooh, i like this perfume i'm never gonna remember it just let me know later on why why are we getting all like tight-lipped around it like it's a fucking you know uh you know you know Secret mission. Yeah, I guess we're getting close to maybe needing to have Dr. and Mrs. The Commission on there for a little he said, she said about this. Because um, to me, I did, and you got me a good gift last year uh, for the podcast. You got me that Donatello-like thing that still hangs from the official Brooklyn Map Studios. Um, I'm going to be honest. What I'm hearing, it sounds like you're a guy that you're just like, I'll Christmas shop, and I'm going to Christmas shop in this 
like block of time and that's when I plan to go get it getting it done which to me means like are you thinking about what gift you want to get like in November are you putting some just like brain time to no. it or the are... no yeah no, no. <laughs> you show up to the mall you're just like all right what are we getting there what do we What's got speaking what do we to got me? yeah exactly what do we got here yeah <laughs> Um, all right, I guess we'll leave that up in the air if that's uh, a you thing or the holiday thing. Um, all right, brother. So you give approximately uh, 15 minutes of thinking about what you'd like to get your wife for the holidays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shoe size run inconsistent. Uh, I guess she's bringing back uh, those, we'll say those $60 shoes. So we'll be, we'll be tied up there. Oh, it'll be 60 to 15. All right, uh, number two is... Parking garages. Ooh, fuck. That's a good one. Um, so I have little claustrophobia issues, but I also have patient issues, I guess. Mm. Just being patient. Mm-hmm. And it's um I feel trapped in parking garages, especially like in Los Angeles. Like I notorious for this. Like if you ever ride with me, I'll park like six blocks away at like a meter to walk up yeah. to like the grove or whatever as opposed to like going to that park because once you get in there it's expensive and then you're just like you're playing by their fucking rules you gotta get validated somewhere you don't know what the real cost is you get in the car you're supposed to pay beforehand maybe the car in front of you didn't pay beforehand maybe it's holiday traffic and it's like fucking eight cars deep and you're just waiting to get out of the cement structure that drives you bonkers right, right. And also, let's not think the the battle within the parking garage. Oh right? like yes, I even, oh man, probably the worst it. part about it. exactly. You're just like, are you the kind of person that's just like, oh, I'll find something. Or if you ride with somebody, you're just like, we'll see if something opens up on the second level. Like if I am in a parking garage, straight to the top. Just I'm gonna keep going up until give me a lot that hasn't been utilized yet, and there's just a bunch of space. Like I'm, I'm not circling for this. Yes. Also. So I worked in uh, Century City when I was a bartender, and uh, we parked in parking garage there. Like, you kind of had to. On a long enough timeline, you might never get a spot. Like, there is no guarantee. Like, you circle around and just, like, you happen to find a car backing up. If you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, like, just that might fuck. Like, that I could be circling for infinity or until I run out of gas. Like, that's (laughs) insane to me. Yeah, and then then you let's also not forget about when you find somebody like the person that you're like following. Like let's yeah. say you circled, you've been all up and down. There's nothing there, and then you find the person. They can tell that you're yeah following them for it. You got your blinker on because that's like the the universal. I've claimed my stake. Like yeah. I fucking you know far far and away. Tom Cruise is like I claim this land. Like that's <laughs> exactly, mine. Exactly. Then the fucking people get in there and take their sweet. God yep. damn time. You send a bunch of text messages, like decide to, you know, clean underneath the seat. Uh, yeah, Windex off their windows. Put their, yeah, put their driving gloves on. <laughs> yeah. I've never adjusted my, my mirrors at all until I'm driving and notice that they're out of alignment. <laughs> but they're just fucking cranking, te- making sure they're getting everything in there. What okay. is going on, people? Let's be efficient. Let's be quick. That's I like it. Very the good. worst. Uh, all right, what do you got, buddy? So my number two, um, it's, you know, there is obviously the over-aggressive sales clerk. But let's not forget the sales clerk who doesn't give a fuck. The one who mm. comes there and we're like, yeah. hey, do you have any more of these in the back? My niece is a seven, and then I only see six and a half. So you have a seven, and they look at you like, the fuck are you hassling yeah. me for? Yeah, I'll yeah. go check and give you attitude. Yeah. Don't act like I just like walked into your house or pulled you up the street. You did clock in here. 
There's a point yes. in time where you fill out a resume, you ask them to hire you, they cut you a check at the end of the week, you get paid for doing this. Like, I'm not your pain in the ass. Like, do your job. You got it or not. Can I tell you the one time that I've lost my mind? Oh, please. Oh, man, like, I can't. Because I, I, I've worked I've worked retail. I get it. It's a thankless job. You have worked retail, too. I know you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were at we were at Pottery Barn returning a gift and we had like a gift receipt and everything like this and the 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 item was now discounted. So the store clerk was like, This is in LA and the store clerk was like, Well, I'm only gonna give you what the discount price is like, No, but we have the gift receipt. We should get the gift receipt price, not like the sixty percent discount. Yeah, we can prove what we paid for it. Yeah. And she turned she turns to me, she goes, like, I don't know why you're whining about this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? She literally was like, I don't know why you're whining about this. I was like, and Dr. Mrs. The commissioner was there. She's like, chill, chill. I was like, and I've never been like, wow. give me your manager. Let me speak to your manager. But I yeah. was like, give me your fucking manager now. I didn't say fucking, but I was like, oh, give me yeah. your, I was like, I can't believe you said this to me. Like, yeah. you just broke the bond, like the the tacit agreement. Like, I'm going to be polite. You're going to be polite. You might be annoyed. But like, just escalated to a higher authority, and we'll just go on from this because I'm not taking this fucking store, you know, cheap ass store credit. This is not right. And then you're fucking tell me to don't whine about it. And I was like, I better not say anything for me to get like kicked out of the store because then I lose. Yeah. But now I'm getting I'm getting everything now. Yeah, I can't say that. Yeah, you are going to be like most awesome barn. Like you're gonna own that by the end of it. <laughs> like it's just like that's. <laughs> <laughs> that like right. why not like number one i you know why i'm i'm not whining about it i'm saying it because it's it's money it's like cold yeah. hard cash is the difference and i can prove right. how much i paid for it and it's just like fuck off <laughs> like one burn <laughs> sick um Insane. um all right brother so i'm gonna guess you saved about 80 cents so to put that on to your <laughs> six uh 50 minutes that you do that's 95 um and then i could circle around for three hours it's 180 minutes uh, work on a uh, big lead is all I'm saying. All right. Uh, worst yep. thing about holiday shopping, my top spot, all the spending, bro. Uh, budgets are just changed. Yeah. Like I know you're a budget yeah. guy. I'm a budget guy. Like, a December's just a different month for how much you spend, and it has to be. So it's just like, do you adjust the budget? Do you try to save money? Like, you know, January through November, like a little bit to like have that sure. chunk, or do you just like bite it and then you're just playing catch up like january until march we get it lines are tighter parlays are a little shaky we get it. <laughs> they are December football's hard to call like you can't right. finance everything in my life anymore yeah exactly uh it's a good one i'm gonna go with my number one is just the hordes of people the fucking amateur hour that is people just milling about not knowing what they're fucking doing getting in line i'm trying to navigate this ocean get in get out and people are just in there you've got you know people arguing with sales clerks over discounts or this or we're checking out and there's a price check and some people is like no you know the fucking thing says it was 17 but i got it from the rack that said it was 30 percent off and then you have this arguing it's like fucking you're talking about like nine bucks can we really fuck and i get it much to your budget thing but you realize you're holding everyone else up in the fucking world here just fucking take it on the chin it is what it is 
You know what I mean? Granted, my my thing, I was all by myself in that pottery barn. I wasn't I wasn't holding up a line. Yeah, you like, had to, you, had, to, you had time to whine about it. You budgeted the wine time. You thought. <laughs> 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 um, all right, brother. I, yes. That's a good one. I think I got to take the victory on this one though. But it is a very good, good. point that uh, it is that just kind of time of year where you just see when everybody's kind of the same place at one time. So you're just like, oh, this is society. I'm interacting with society here. Yeah, just a bunch holidays. of fat fucking people running around with pretzels. <laughs> God damn it. Um, all right, guys. This has been MAB Sports Podcast episode 92. Thanks for hopping in. Uh, MVP of the week real fast. I'm going to give it – I am in Miami. I know their listeners, the Madigan. I just want to wish Bing Madigan a happy 40th birthday, bro. It's there. Ooh, it's happening. Happy 40th. Yeah. What do you got, buddy? Very good. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Juwan Howard, head coach of Michigan basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a basketball school now. But I don't want to just realize <laughs> that. We beat number six, UNC, and, the, and number eight, Gonzaga, to win the battle for Atlantis. Uh, last two winners. Not going to say there's any correlation or anything like that. Last two winners, 2017, Villanova won the chip that year. 2018, Ooh. Virginia won the chip that year. Ooh, that will set up for success. And – a little distraction from football, which is what you need right now, buddy. I like that. Guys, uh, this has been MAB Sports Podcast. Hit us up. Uh, I am Brandon. I want you to sign yourself off. Most awesome. Folks, audience, we've come up with a new stat called TMR. That's Total Mab Rating. Runway. Style. Fame. She likes fashion.